It is good to see everybody this Sunday morning. As you're finding a seat, I want to remind you that we have some great Sundays on the horizon. We're going to have some guest speakers. My friend Neil Buram will be here on the 1st of October, the second week. We'll have a guest speaker, Craig Groshens, with us. He's a good friend of ours. And then evangelist, revivalist, Gwendolyn Miller will be speaking on the 16th. So if you'll find a seat, let's begin this morning. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for allowing us the privilege of our wonderful country to be able to come and meet together free and to worship you. Father, to read your word, to encourage one another in, in what we call the house of the Lord, the church. And Father, we just we just give you permission to, to speak to us today. We open up our hearts. God, we, we look inside. And God, we, we desire to have fertile soil of our hearts, meaning that, God, we, we accept what your Holy Spirit speaks to us today. This morning, God, I pray that you would use this message and tailor fit it to people's lives today and what they're going through. In your name we pray, amen. You know, we've been in a series, uh, and, and we came out of a series called Inviting God into Our Difficulties, and, and meaning that we don't just ask God to get us out of our difficulties. That's also something that is good to do. But, but while we're going through the difficulties, that God reaches into our life and begins to walk with us through the difficult times, which then we use those things as really stepping stones that God can increase our capacity I don't know about you, but I can handle more stress at my age than I did when I was in college. I mean, I was a nervous wreck, and I can imagine some of you seeing back in your life how God has brought you through things and bringing you to a place of not, not just saying, I believe, but you've been through some scrapes. You've been through some battles, and even if you say, you know, Pastor, unfortunately, I have some regret because I didn't win every battle you realize that God says, I'd rather you get up than give up. And that's why you're here this morning. You're still fighting the good fight of faith. As we've gone into talking about the war and, and fighting the war within us, it's important to, again, remind ourselves what, what God says over our life, that we are more than conquerors. You can say that you're a warrior in what God has brought you through and where you're going in the future. Can you say amen? Let, let's just practice that. That means so be it, God. I'm in agreement with you. So when I say, say amen, you might go, amen. Or somebody, amen. But if it's just coming out of your vocal cords, there's something about a response on your part. Everybody in agreement said, amen. Amen. So be it, God. Work into my life. And God revealed to me the, the warrior status that who I am that you've created me to be. I've talked about, you know, we know the uh, kind of our definition and maybe what Hollywood has brought into our lives of what a, or who a warrior is. And we think about, you know, a ninja, you know, that can go and defeat or maybe some powerful force, uh, a gladiator, who knows. But really what we're talking about today is more important than just the physical strength. And, and what I'm talking about is people that actually have the ability to develop inside of themselves the things that God has provided for them 
a strength and to develop them through goals, setting things and developing those skills and strengths that's going to change the people that are around us. Everybody in agreement say. Now listen, when I talk about this, I am so in favor of you increasing. Why? Because when you increase, I can increase and vice versa. I need strong people in my life. What I realized and I wish I would have realized this when I was in high school, but I realized it later that if, you know, let me give you an illustration. There are fish, a koya, I think they're called. They look like goldfish. But if you put them inside like an aquarium, they're only going to get so big. But if you put them in a container like, I mean, not a container, but if you put them in like a pond, a decorative pond, they can grow and grow and grow. And sometimes they even look like as big as a carp. I don't know if you know what a carp is. I used to catch them as a little boy and think I caught a marlin, you know, because they're fire. But they're huge compared to the little goldfish that sometimes they're hindered in becoming because they're staying in a little, little or small enclosure, an aquarium. What I'm telling you today is sometimes you need to open up your life and your heart because somebody has spoken into your life, that's not real. That's not true. But if the Word of God says it, come on now. Walk in the Word of God, in the wisdom of God for your life. We've been talking about the war within because last week we talked about, you know, we I used an illustration of Jacob and he was... Initially, uh, a trickster, the name Jacob, he was uh, a trickster, a deceiver. He played all these games and trying to get ahead. And, and you know that kind of person. Well, Jacob in the Bible deceived his brother Esau out of his birthright. And even his, him, you know, ch- uh, stole his, really, the, the way that he was, uh, not only his birthright, but his, to being the firstborn blessing on his life. But later, Jacob comes to a realization and kind of wrestles with God. And I really believe that a warrior will go through times of struggling, but it's what you do in the middle of the struggle. Jacob gets to a place, and we know the whole, if you've read his life, and it's found in Genesis. And let me just give you an endorsement right here for the Bible. It's a good book to read, if you haven't. Go ahead, do that. All right, so Jacob gets alone with God, and he has a revelation, and God, in, in the wrestling, in, the, in the, just the struggle of his life, his name changes from a trickster or deceiver, Jacob, into Israel. And, and all of a sudden, Israel is defined as a prince of God. Uh, and he was somebody that would worship God. And, but all through his life, he had a fight going back and forth and allowing the old self to rise inside of him. That's what we talked about last week, the war within, the war within. Does anybody beside John Miller feel there's a war going on inside of you? It is important for you not only to all come to, we all come to the understanding, yes, we put the old self uh, to death and we put on the new self, but we do realize that there's things and circumstances in our life that will get that old self up pretty quick. And there's people that will come into our path that love to bring out the Jacob in all of us. It can be someone that we love. It can be our spouse. It can be our children. Oh, it can be our children. It can be our boss. Ooh, that guy. You can almost feel Jacob going, I'm coming back. 
And it's important for us to realize that all through our lives, I, and listen, I didn't say that when you became a believer. No, no, even after you became a believer, you still have the war and you have to make a choice on the inside. Now, now let, me, let me say something here is because when you get to the place of making God not only your Savior, you know, some people just make him savior of their life and they swim in that, so to speak, that aquarium of salvation. It's the most important thing that you'll ever do. But the word of God and God's desire for us is so much more than just the just spending time just realizing that he came to love you and to save you. But also the revelation of walking by faith and not by sight and all the other things, not fearful and, and understanding that God has come to give us life. There's so much more. I think sometimes people say, I just go to church one time a, a year. Well, what time? Easter. Well, why? Well, I've heard it once, so why do I need to go back? They, they think that's the whole, that's why we come every week. Jesus died on the cross for you. You need to receive him in your, that's important, but let's go on. I didn't say leave it behind. I just meant let's bring it with us and let's expound on what God is and his word is doing in our lives. Again, an illustration of the verse Jacob versus Israel is Jacob, those carnal desires that want to come out and putting that to death in our lives and saying, no, I'm not going to walk by the flesh, but I'm going to walk by the spirit. Note here, read Romans, and it's an amazing book about, and Paul's talking about the things that I don't want to do, I do, but I choose through Jesus Christ to walk in the Spirit, the things of God, instead of the things of the flesh. All right. This morning when we're talking about the war within, I want you to understand something very important in all of our life. With that going on inside of us, you have to make a decision to fight for your future. Because every time that you feed, whatever you feed is going to grow stronger and whatever you starve is going to grow weaker. It's common sense. And I know that in my life, if I'm, if I'm not careful, I just, it just feels good to get over here a little bit, over here, over here, over, and all of a sudden it's a monster. And I go, where did he come from? It's because I've been shoveling food over there all the time. I've been feeding that, meditating on that. It, it might be some, I don't know, it might be bitterness that somebody did or something. i got to say, hey, whoa, 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 slow down. I don't want that to rule my life. Now, here's the thing that I, I remember when I became uh, the pastor of the chapel. Believe it or not, I was an old man at 26 years of age. <laughs> 26? I still was wet behind the ears. I don't know what that actually means. Maybe some of you old-timers can explain that. <laughs> but the, the, the thought is, when I remember that there were people that uh, initially, now we only had about 12, I think, that was there the night I got voted in. And there were some people that even left. And I thought, what did I do? I'm just trying to encourage people. God, I talk to people and they go, you're a pastor. I could never be a pastor. God, I chose to be a pastor. What did I do? That they're leaving. And, and I never realized that the enemy comes and fights against us, not necessarily, listen, not necessarily where you are, 
but he can see the potential of where you're going. And he's coming against us because he knows the potential that God has given all of us that he wants to stop us way back there. Now that's a word for you. Somebody here today is saying, why am I going through this? God's saying, you have big things because today I want to talk to you. You are a history maker. You're a world changer. And the enemy doesn't want you to walk in that destiny. Can you say amen? Now, now, let's go further. When you talk about fighting for your future and something is great inside of you that the enemy doesn't want you to, to feed, something that doesn't, he doesn't want you to walk in, the, the advancement, the progression in your life. Now, I want to use somebody that I, I constantly study and, and boy, I lo- you know, uh, just recently my three sons and I, we went on a trip and I know this sounds kind of, wow, you guys did now, now, we don't talk about God in the Bible everywhere we go, you know. But this, this time we did. We're in the truck and we start talking about David. Have you ever thought of that? Have you, what, what do you think he did here? And, and we started discussing David. And so this morning, I, I wanted to show you some of the things that I feel like when we're talking about fighting for our future. And, and I look at David. And have you ever thought of why his father, Jesse, Uh, When Samuel came to anoint a king, all he said is, I've come to anoint one of your sons as king. Have you ever thought why he left David on the pasture? Still, and after, do you, little trivia question, how many sons did Jesse have? See, I, I, if I just would have guessed, I would have said five because I you know, try to bring back because I don't read it every day, but he had seven sons and David, so eight sons. So I started thinking about this and the the whole thought about something great being in David is that here he is on the, the, you know, pasture and he's out there on the ranch and he's taking care of dad's sheep. And see, here's Jesse and he doesn't see in his own son who David's going to be. But he does see the seven sons. They're right here. They're convenient. And they say, he says, okay, I'll line them up. But here's another thing that I keep, every time I read this part, I go, wow. Wow, John, here's Samuel, and he's following the Lord's command of going and anointing his son. And it says when he arrives in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6, when Samuel saw Eliab, everybody say Eliab, Eliab. Probably the only time you'll say that this week, Eliab. But if there's a point I'm making. When he sees this young man, it says that he sees him And then he thought, he sees him and he thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed that stands here before the Lord. Surely he is certain this guy is the next king after Saul. But God says, not so quick. He says, this isn't the guy. Don't look or consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, all of us people that are a little bit, have a flaw in our life, we can say, hallelujah. And I know some of you are perfect and we love you very much. But here 
is a message to all of us. Even though God is making mention of this so that Samuel realizes this isn't the guy, he's bringing out a truth for us that even though that we might not be all that in a bag of chips, God still says, I have something for you. And so the story continues where he says, after all seven sons pass, and God says, none of them. Samuel goes, what? Do you have any more sons? Yeah, I got one guy. Now, now here's the reason I'm thinking. Samuel's thinking, you know, I've got seven, and he already knows. I mean, Eliab was probably this strong guy that looks like a warrior, everything. But he's not the one. So here's Samuel. Dad thinks, surely one of these seven. Why do I have to bother this young son of mine? He's the youngest. Sometimes silence can be uncomfortable, can it? But let me tell you, the reason why I just pause for a minute is, listen. Some of you are going through some things. Some of you people in, in this room I love so much, but there, there's something that you're saying, I, I, I could never do that. I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too whatever. God says, I, I'm not into that. I'm the God of all ages. I am the beginning and the end. Your age doesn't affect me. It doesn't bother me. Okay. I love this so much that he says, there's a young one out in the field, and Samuel goes, he's the next king. Now, he hasn't even anointed him yet, but here's why I know. He says, we're not even going to sit down until he comes. To me, that's a sign of honor. But, but here we're going. Now, now we're talking about our destiny and we're using David as an example. Here he calls for David to come in. We're not even going to sit until he comes. And, and when he shows up, listen, God doesn't say, sometimes we assume that because Eliab was good looking that David was just skunk ugly. And hallelujah, I can just let myself, we've been talking about, you know, the three prayer requests and relationships and our finances and our health and our, let me tell you, when David shows up, it says that he's a picture glowing with health. Let, let me just give you the description. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. So can I just tell you this? God doesn't really say, let yourself go. See, because the Jacob says, I love jelly donuts. But Israel says, a dozen is too many. Put it down. So let, let's, I just want to argue that point that when Elib is good looking, so is David. So it doesn't mean that you have to be not taking care, take care of yourself. I could go off on that. Boy, let me tell you, I could chase that rabbit all the way down. Okay, here we go. But the Lord says this. I want you to hear this. Rise and anoint him. This is the one. I always was curious, rise. They're already standing, aren't they? But anyway, anyway, so Samuel takes out the horn of oil and anoints him. This is the key words, in the presence of his brothers. His brothers, his father, his brothers are not seeing what's inside of this young man. His destiny, his purpose. 
and sometimes we overlook not only our brothers, our sisters, people that are around us, but listen, we don't see it in ourselves. But there's some description that has come upon, you know, when I'm reading this, and this is my point of bringing out this first part of David's life. It says, when he anoints him in the presence of his brothers as witnesses, listen to this, from that day on, from that day on, from this day on, from that day on, the Lord came powerfully upon David. Here's the good news for you and I. We don't need in our day for a prophet to show up and anoint us with oil. Because the presence of God resides now within us. We're New Testament believers. After Jesus came and died on the cross and the day that he had promised that the Holy Spirit would come on the earth, that's what we call Pentecost, that's Acts chapter 2, read it. The presence of God dwells within us We walk with the Spirit of the Lord, and that's why Paul says, don't walk in the flesh anymore. That's the old self. Put on the new self. Walk in the Spirit. Fast forward to the most, one of the most popular passages in the Bible, David and Goliath. And we know that Eliab now, when David is sent by dad, he's not even a warrior, as they think. When he gets anointed, he goes back to keeping sheep. The brothers are off to battle, so dad sends him to the battle, and I'm sure a young guy, some people think that he's a teenager. He gets to the battlefield, and he sees this big guy coming out every morning and night and tormenting the army of Israel. I don't know about you, but the enemy always hits me early in the morning and late at night, especially late at night. And that's what Goliath was doing. I'm back. It's just to torment the people of God. And every time he kept doing this, listen, I know if I'm not careful, I'm just like everybody on that hillside. I'm making an excuse why I should not do that. The next thing that God has already told me I could do. Making excuses. David shows up and he's walking in what? The power of God. From that day on, he's walking in the power of God. So he goes, now wait just a minute, what's the reward for killing that guy? He isn't even seeing how big he is because again, we hear how big God is in his life. So he's going, what's the reward? Nobody's taken it yet. This brother again that has seen his chance as the next king pass is looking at him and saying, David, I know who you are. I know why you're here. And begins to judge him on the wrong identity. We're talking about, listen, the war within and the fight for our future. When David is belittled by his oldest brother, he could have allowed, let's just use the example, the Jacob inside of him to rise up. I don't know about you, Elia, but you aren't the next king. Do you remember? You were there. Do you need one of my playing cards that says David King of Israel? <laughs> but all David says is not their cause. Come on now, Eliab. He's minutes away from being a world changer and a history maker. If he allows the old self in him to rise up, 
he could have forfeited that. Hear me. It's something that if we're not careful, we allow the enemy, so to speak, to either ring the bell, you know, or, or to push the button, whatever you want to say, to cause us to rear up and fight. The real fight wasn't Eliab. The real fight was Goliath out there. The enemy is trying to speak. Remember, we do not war against flesh and blood, but don't we think they look a lot like our enemy? <laughs> Eliab is speaking, but the enemy through him is trying to push that button, push that button, push that button. Because the enemy knew more about David's potential than even his brother. The next person is Saul. You know, they bring him to Saul the king and says, he's able, to, he says, to go out and kill Goliath. And he goes, you can't, you're just a little boy. Again, speaking to his identity of who he says he is instead of who David is going to have a choice to walk in. Even though he knows that he's going to be the next king, you realize that kings don't have to fight always. But David makes the choice. If God has anointed me to be king, I choose him as my Lord. Again, not just Savior, Lord. He makes the choice for my life. So the story goes that Saul says, go get him. Finally, and we know the whole story about trying to put his own identity on him, use my armor, all this. But the thing that I want you to see is at the end of the battle, Saul is scratching his head. Now he's, he's more concerned about David. Who is that kid? Look, read it. He's like, no, 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 no. To his general. Who is that guy? And then they bring him to Saul holding his trophy, the head of Goliath. Don't you know that he took that home and put it, or he took it and put it in his tent? Don't you know that? Isn't that a teenager? The head. That's crazy. But he says, when he brings, when they bring David to Saul, he actually looks him in the eye and says, Who are you? Let me tell you, the, sometimes the hardest thing for us to do is receive what God has spoken into our life because it seems so good. And when we say it out of our mouth, it almost sounds like a lie, but we can't say that because we know God doesn't lie. But a lot of people don't want to hover around that identity of who God says. And then we get mad when we hear a pastor or somebody talking, oh, that's too good. Oh, he just does. He, he, I don't know what he is. He just, he don't really. Let's hear some talk on sin. Are you hearing me? In all my love that I can throw at you, God loves you. And we need to get away from the circumstances that are happening and thinking that because we're going through this, God doesn't care for me or doesn't love me. When this story ends, he has become a history maker. He has become a world changer. I wish I could tell you that David never has a problem. But after that, it seems like it gets hotter because now King Saul that watched him, that was so glad and pretty much saved the honor of Israel, is now jealous now we're going to give you 10, I'm going to give you a handout in a few minutes, 10 roadblocks that, 
that keep you, and the enemy's trying to keep you from everything that God had, and most of them are just common sense. But I want to remind you of them, and one of them is this. What you destroy or what you defeat quickly is really not your enemy. That's really not the problem. See, because Goliath, everybody thought was the problem. He handled that in an afternoon. But Saul took him, some people think, up to 13 years to finally run that whole story of that problem out. And he stayed the course. He stayed the course. He stayed faithful. He, he saw Jacob come up inside of him, so to speak, but he continued to say, no, I'm not going to do that. But I want you to see this. And we give David a lot of uh, accolades and, and you know how he, he didn't fight Saul and he could have killed Saul twice. One time he's in a cave hiding from Saul, him and his men, and Saul goes in there. Can you imagine all the caves in Israel and Saul chooses that one to use the bathroom? And while he's in there using the bathroom, David cuts a piece of his uh, coat off and then later yells down to Saul, I could have killed you and Saul, I'm so, you know, all that. And we go, wow, David, a man after God's own heart. And that, that's motivation for us. A pastor can speak, and I've spoken on that many times, and that's, we can do it too. There's somebody in our life that's causing. But let me give you another picture. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, there, there's a, really a movie that takes place. It is cool. There's three characters, and really in any movie, you, you can stop and think there's a, a, a main character called the pro- protagonist. Or, or really, there's three characters, the hero, the villain, and the damsel, damsel, the lady in distress, <laughs> let's say that, before I get in trouble. All right, we're moving on. This story is David and Abigail, you can take that off, you're still my thunder, <laughs> it'll be later. There's three characters, David, Abigail, and her husband, Abigail's husband, which is Nabal. So here's the story real quick in summary. We won't read it all. But the story is this. David and his men are now, again, running from Saul, and they're in the desert of Paran or Moran. And it's in a place that's kind of desolate. It's not very uh, populated, but there's a rich man named Nabal, and he has all this wealth. He has all these sheep, all these servants, and David's men are there. This is a time where uh, you could lose just a little bit of your possessions every year, or you could lose it all. Even though you were in Israel, there was marauders that would come through, like the Amalekites and the Philistines and different things, and still. But just so happened that Nabal and Abigail lived in the place where David was camped out. And David had told his men not to touch anything that was there. Matter of fact, Nabal's servants would later say he was like, the, the people of David, the mighty men of David, were like a wall to us. Nobody could come in and mess with us as long as they were in the region. They were, and you read David, man, he's got some men, like faces like lions, and they can sling with both hands, and, you know, and they, they're bad dudes. And the enemy knew it. So, so all during the time that David's in this place, he was keeping these people protected. So the day came that Nabal had a festival. It was harvest time. He was a a, a rancher. He owned sheep, so the harvest was to shear the sheep and bring in some food, crops. So here's David, and he says, you know, 
maybe they will show us a little kindness. And he sends 10 of his young men to say, hey, would, would it be possible for you guys to bless us? And, and would you give us some food and just whatever you can spare? I mean, just, just help us out a little bit. And then remind him that we, we've been nice to you. Now watch this. How many people have been nice and it's not been returned to you nice? There's something that wants to come out, and his name is Jacob. The story goes that Nabal, which is code for fool, that's what his name actually means. Mamas, don't name your babies Nabal. Anyway, speak over their life like that. But the story is fascinating because Nabal says, I don't know who you think you are. We're not giving you anything. Now, that's John Miller interpretation. You can read it later. But the Bible says that those 10 men go back, and it's a picture of the enemy pushing exactly where David, in my mind, is the weakest. Now, he's, he's running, but he's very respectable, the man above him, Saul. But now we're talking about somebody that could be seen as a little bit under him talking the way Saul would have talked to him. And he says, come alive, Jacob, come alive. I've been waiting for you to come alive. And what happens is he says, really? So he said that he don't, he's not going to do anything for us. He looks at his men, 400. He has 600. We're going to take 400 men. Strap on your swords. That's quote, unquote, the Bible. Strap on your swords. And it says, David strapped on his sword too. Meaning, he was going to do a little killing too. I've been waiting so long to let out Jacob. I've been running from so. I wanted to tell him how the cow ate the cabbage, but I just refrained because I, I'm an Israel. But now, oh, it's going to feel good. 400 men are coming to kill. And it says, Every male of that household, all the servants, everybody. But word gets to our lady, the third character. And it, her name is Abigail, and it is described as she is a foxy lady that is smart. She could have won Miss Israel, Mrs. Israel, because she's married. She had it all. And the Bible says that the word comes through a servant that says what happened with Nabal talking to David and David left or his men left. Now watch this. She could have said, I think I'm going on a vacation for a couple days and let happen what might happen. But the Bible says that she gets all this food together and her servants help her they get on donkeys and they begin to ride out to meet David. Now, again, I'm not going to go in detail, but just think how long it must have taken her to do that and how much time she had left. It was a critical situation. And David, it says, quote, is riding his, him and his men through the ravine. I mean, you can put a picture on this. This is a movie. Everybody knows the ending, right? Jacob's going to win this battle. He is inside of David and he's going to kill everybody. But there's a wise lady with her 
servants and all this food coming. And she gets down and she bows down and they begin to talk. Now watch this. How does she diffuse the situation? This is the part that I want you to see. And that we're about done. This is what's going to apply to your life. This is what I want you to process all week. This is what these 10 roadblocks and how they're going to help you. How do you talk when Jacob is ruling your life and saying, I'm, I'm, I'm the old man. I'm going to revert back to before I knew God or even before I, I knew what to do. And I'm going to just let the flesh yell. She rides up, she gets down and begins to talk to David. And I'm not going to read everything, but here it is in a nutshell. You don't want to do this because of who you are. And when you eventually get to the position that God's already promised you, you don't want to look back on this day with regret that will cause you pain. She spoke to his future identity. His present but future. The enemy is speaking to his now. David isn't realizing that the enemy's coming against him as the king years later, right there in the ravine. Now, here, here's a story that you never see. Something is happening as a choice with the war within David. Remember that we all pray for God to come and say, You're not doing that, David. You're not doing that, John. You're not, call your name. But God gives us free will to make the choice. (laughs) Sometimes I wish he would take that away from me. And David makes the choice when he hears his identity being spoken to him by this beautiful lady that's intelligent. And he's thinking to himself, Here I've got 400. Do do you realize how much of Jacob is speaking to him during that conversation? I'm going to look bad with my 400 men. Nabal already insulted me. How am I going to go back on that? There is everything going on in this story that goes on in my life, in your life, when that inside of us is trying to fight to walk in the flesh. David makes the choice, and I'm praying that I make the choice as well as you make the choice to say, I'm not going to allow the old self to come out again. David says, okay, thank you so much for really in my mind, this John Miller's interpreting, thank you for again reminding me of who God has spoken over my life, and I'm going to choose to walk in that. I didn't say that always it feels good at the moment. It would have felt good to lop off old Nabal's head. Come on, wouldn't it? I can be an antagonist and just kind of, come on. Don't it feel good? Don't it feel good? Don't it feel good? The end of the story says within 10 days, Nabal is drunk And he's always drinking. It's commentary say that he stayed drunk. Ten days after this whole episode with Abigail telling him when he actually sobers up what happened, that he actually at that moment has a stroke or a heart attack 
and it says that in 10 days he's dead. We don't know how long it is, but the word comes back to David, and David sends to make Abigail his next wife. Now listen to me. Until Nabal is dead, the old man, she couldn't meet the new man. The old man, Nabal, represents the carnal desires, the flesh in our lives. Now let me tell you, I'm not talking about meeting the new man. I'm talking about your husband. Some of you thought you just got a revelation. Hallelujah, I'm looking for the new man. But here's David, and he brings Abigail, and she becomes a queen, really, so to speak, of Israel. And David can look back, and we can look back on this story as an example to us that changes our life. Now, now quickly, if we could have those passed out, and some of you guys, if you'll help me as quickly as possible. I've been thinking about this because I know even in my life, there's times when I want something practical. We get motivated with the sermon, but it's in the discipline. It's actually, you know, faith without works is dead. I can say go do it, but if I don't do anything different tomorrow, come on. So this is just something that I'm going to go through. If you have a pen, we're going to do this in less than four minutes. You, you can take a picture of it and fill in the blanks. If you're melancholy and you can't sleep tonight, if you don't get all the blanks filled, then take a picture. There's ten things. I'm going to quickly go through them. What you destroy quickly isn't your real enemy. No clear vision. A lot of people have no clear vision because they've never read that God has made them their masterpieces predestined before the foundation of their earth. Ephesians 2.10 Listen, make it clear, a definition of what you think is success and walking in the line of Israel, not Jacob. To have an action plan. Number three, I mean, number four is fear of failure. A lot of times people say, you know what, I, I don't, I'm just going to, come on. Don't use those bummer words like no, never, can't, won't, maybe. Those are all those words that lack faith. Another roadblock is lack of determination. A lot of times God has put us in a place for the purpose of solving the problem. I, I've, I've laughed and we've talked about people that are bird dogs. You know, they just point at the problem. Well, you are anointed to solve the problem. Be determined. Don't lack the determination to solve it. Number six, this is the hardest one for most people, and that is change. You're going to have to make adjustments. You can't do the same thing you've always done and expect different results. Make your priorities different. There's things that are triggered. We talked about this with habits. There's things that trigger you, and when they trigger you, some cue. You know, there's something that goes off on the inside that that is when Jacob rises up within you. Change your priorities. Number seven is negative thinking. Did I give it my best Today, did I move closer to the goal 
again, being a warrior is setting goals and developing skills and, and, and looking at progress. Number eight, another roadblock is going to be procrastination. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> I'm too busy to do it today. Not procrastination. Uh-uh. Number nine, making excuses. Mm, mm, making excuses. Take personal responsibility. When you're in that place, don't let your wife always talk the Jacob down. You know what I mean? You take responsibility for that anger, whatever else comes inside of you. Number 10 is learn from your mistakes. This, this is something that seems like common sense, but we don't do that. We keep circling, you know, doing the same thing over and over. But as I said, they can become actually stepping stones to progressing in your life. I talked about last week, Ephesians 4.22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. That's the Jacob, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. But here's the key, to be made new in your attitudes of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then I've got the one yes challenge. Over the next week, think about it, process it. Choose one of those strategies, one of those weaknesses that come on your life and attack that. Just to give you something to work on this week, just one of them. You, some, of them might, some of you might work on two of them. But, but the thought is to continually improve over time. If somebody cuts you off in traffic, if that's something, if, a, if that's a trigger... Work on that. You're not working on it if you go home at 10 o'clock at night when there is no traffic, okay? Somebody last week after I used that illustration, they came up to me and said, Pastor, I need you to be okay with the traffic. (laughs) And Jacob rose up on, no, I'm kidding. Thank you very much for that advice, encouragement. It's working on it. It's saying, God, help me in this weakness. I know that you have made me as an overcomer. And God, I know that things that are in my life right now are keeping me, trying to keep me. The enemy's trying to keep me from who you've created me to be and what I'm going to be, even tomorrow and the next day. Let's pray. Father, today, before we leave this place, help us come to grips with you love us and you have the best in store for us. And God, that sometimes in our flesh, we're right now in our mortal bodies, that God, this is a fight. God, I just pray that, Father, what you did for us, that, Father, that we could live for you. God, thank you for your grace. God, our past can be forgiven, that the the mention of regret and all the things in our past can be forgiven, that, God, today's a new day, and that, Father, we can receive that grace and today walk in it. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. When you leave in a few seconds, process all afternoon so that Monday morning when you go to work, you'll be ready to get them. Amen?
You guys are free to go. Thank you for coming to the chapel.